0: So, yeah, now it's clean up on aisle 45 time. And for a long while yet, it is going to be clean up on aisle 45. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 136 of Clean Up on Aisle 45. It's Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. I realize, patrons, that during the bonus episode this past weekend, I said that it was week 134 when it was actually week 135. That was an error. We are now, in fact, on week 136, so I apologize for that. Uh, but hello, I'm Allison Gill.
1: Hey, and I'm Pete Strzok, and it's completely uh, pardonable, Allison, when we're busy in the midst of going through not one, not two, not 15, but 19 booking photos. It's only natural <laughs> that perhaps the, the dates uh, blend together. But <laughs> we, that, we have so much to cover today, including all those 19 defendants who have been booked now at the Fulton County Jail. We have filings from Mark Meadows and Jeffrey Clark, including a hearing for Meadows' motion to remove his case to federal court and speedy trial requests from both Kenneth Cheesebro and Sidney Powell.
0: Yes, the cheese bro, uh, who doesn't stand alone anymore in his speedy trial request. Uh, Yeah, I
1: I suspect he doesn't want his new friend that has joined him on that (laughs) speedy trial request. It's like, yeah,
0: he he was like, like, oh, man. Yeah, I'm
1: underage at the bar. I think I can pull it off. And then my 14 year old kid brother (laughs) saddles up next to me and asks for a beer, too. It's like, fuck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so true. Um. So one of those 19, by the way, Harrison Floyd, uh, who was booked uh, at the Fulton County Jail last week, remains in jail and uh, had an affidavit out for his arrest earlier this year for attacking two FBI agents. We also are going to cover the fact that Jim Jordan is launching an investigation into Fannie Willis now. Uh, along with a hearing in a totally separate case that I got to see today for Pete Navarro. Since yeah. we cover Pete <laughs> <Lucky you. laughs> on on this show, I figured I would k- tell you about my adventures in the courtroom with Pete Navarro. Uh, but first, we have to thank our new patrons. We have 57 new patrons this week. That my amazing. gosh. Thank you all so much. Kelly Kozak, J.K., Barbara Kaufman, a little bit of Sandra in the Sun, a little bit of Mary All Night Long, a little bit of Jessica Here I Am, a little bit of you, And then it gets cut off because we only have 129 characters Uh, for what your name can be. I'm I'm assuming you would have continued with the entire Mambo Number 5 chorus if you only had more space. Stephanie Snyder, Sort of Damocles, love it, Betty Knight, Abby Normal, Louise, Boo, Leslie Winter, Sharon Clayton, Bernadette Erickson, Kevin Branch, Big Aussie Idiot, or should I say Aussie, uh, Kit Irwin, Lori. Jean McNeil and Jennifer Merlis. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm hoping that you all are loving the bonus episode. At the $2 per episode level, you get that basically a whole full free second episode every week. You get twice as many episodes. I hope you're enjoying them. All right, we have a lot to cover in Georgia. A lot went down since we last spoke uh, for this main public episode. Let's start there. First of all, Meadows and Clark, filed motions to delay their surrender until after they had their hearings to remove their cases to federal court. And both of those motions were denied by Judge Jones, who's the federal judge in the Northern District down there. He's the closest federal district. He said, uh, you had two weeks and the removal motions have nothing, no bearing on your surrender. So just like everybody else, you'll have to go and surrender. And they did. We got 19 different mugshots. All 19 were booked. Um, of course, the uh, height and weight for Donald Trump was sent in ahead of time. I guess on the honors system, <laughs> so he turned out to be six three, two fifteen. Like Muhammad um,
1: Eileen is prime, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you know what? Okay. Um, do I will I get that courtesy when I you know when and if I'm ever booked at, at uh, Rice Street? No. Uh, but here we are. Um. Also, Trump raised over seven million dollars so far on his mugshot. Um. And you know, we've had some people write in, Pete, and ask, like, can he do that? Like, is isn't it copyright? Nope, that is public domain. He can do with it, and so can we, uh, if we choose. As we will. So nothing's stopping us from, from doing any of that.
1: Yeah, and the absurd part was one of, I think one of his attorneys, maybe his PR person, but I think an attorney was warning people like, oh, if you use it without his permission, we're coming after you. It's like, good luck with that. That's, again, it's completely nope. uh, uh, in the in the public domain for anybody to use. I'm curious to see who at the, it's one of those odd things where both sides want to buy and use copies of it for completely different reasons. Uh, but that, that image... Um, Beyond the simple grift for Trump right now. I mean, I think, you know, when you go and pull out the old Encyclopedia Britannica or World Book or whatever it is on your shelf and from 1972, and you look about some article about Dwight D. Eisenhower, it's going to be the same thing in the future when, you know, folks are looking back in the early 2020s and uh, that face pops up at him. It's forever going to be there. First president, yeah. hopefully only president, uh, indicted for so many crimes.
0: Yeah, and um, you know uh, he's down six points um, in the latest Maris poll uh, since he surrendered. I like how he 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 tweeted on Twitter, which I call I still call Twitter. Uh, you know, never surrender, um, and he did that the day he surrendered. So that was very interesting.
1: <laughs> immediately after surrendering, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, okay. Um but you know, it's it's got like 1.5 million likes or something. It's went pretty viral. Uh so uh, I I am of the mindset that that these indictments are not going to help uh, his uh, polls and his ratings and his chances. It might help his chances of getting the primary uh nomination, but definitely not the general election win. So, you know, we'll see how that all turns out. It's still very early in the in the election process, but he's down six points since his surrender. Um, now, I want to talk about the only person not out on bond. That's Harrison Floyd. He was part of the conspiracy to intimidate Ruby Freeman. Um, if you'll remember, there was a group of, of folks, including uh, him and Travion Coody, who uh, is Kanye West's publicist. And a third person who decided to wear his priest collar his, to, <laughs> to his mugshot, um, who were intimidating Ruby Freeman, knocking on her door, talking to her neighbors, trying to get her to say that she could be in a lot of deep trouble or in danger. Her life is in danger if she doesn't say that she was, you know, um, committing voter fraud or helping commit voter fraud in favor of Joe Biden. Uh, but he was kept in jail. Um, without being let out on bond. Now, I spoke to a former DCAUSA who looked up his pending federal case. First of all, he assaulted, earlier in this year, he assaulted two FBI agents who were trying to serve him with a federal grand jury subpoena in the Jack Smith investigation, which is our first indication, by the way, all year, that Jack Smith is investigating the intimidation of Ruby Freeman. Um, which I think is a significant development in that particular case. But the public docket for Floyd has not had a single entry in over three months. Now, the affidavit that was filed in, in uh, I believe, May, which was in support of his, it was like the, the probable cause to issue an arrest warrant, and describes what happened with these two FBI agents It lists only a misdemeanor under Title 18, U.S. Code 111A, simple assault, which carries a one-year maximum sentence. But aside from that affidavit, there's no preliminary hearing on the docket, there's no indictment on the docket, no sealed motions on the docket or entries on the docket, no motions to continue a preliminary hearing, which is what you might expect to see if there was a cooperation deal in the works or a pre-indictment resolution being worked out. So, Pete, I I can't help but wonder, uh, and I don't mean to sound like Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City. I couldn't help but wonder, <laughs> um, is he cooperating with the feds? Because I, why would there be no entries on the docket after an affidavit and warrant were issued for the arrest of assault on two FBI agents?
1: Well, it's definitely weird. I mean, right after you're arrested, you have, you know, you're brought in and you're booked, right? Just like we saw down in Fulton County, the federal equivalent of that where you get fingerprinted and have your photograph taken and you have an initial appearance where you're, you know, told the the charges and you're um advised of, you know, various rights to counsel and if you can't afford it, you can have a, a court-appointed attorney. And and there isn't anything out there now just to back up a little bit. You know, according to the Washington Post reporting, this is from the affidavit Agents went to his apartment in Rockville, Maryland back on February 23rd. So, you know, that's six months ago, right? A little more than six months ago. So to your point about finding out that Jack Smith is looking into this, not only is he looking into it, he was doing it half a year ago and they were doing that you know they were at the point of trying to give him a subpoena 6 months ago now what i suspect you know they whether they wanted his testimony to lock him in because he was a potential subject whether they wanted his testimony to try and get some sort of cooperation agreement against you know somebody else whoever was directing him presumably rudy or others we don't know but it's not you know when i went back and read it he they they initially tried to track him down through his mother according to the affidavit, the agents gave the mother their business card. She texted him the information from the business cards. They talked to him on the phone. They talked to him over the apartment intercom and then eventually saw him and tried to give him the grand jury subpoena. And after a lot of back and forth with him not wanting to take it, they said, fine, we're going to you know follow you in and leave it at your apartment door. And then as he went in, they kind of put tried to put the subpoena into the door and it got wedged between the door jam and uh, the door. He opens it up and, and then approaches one of the agents screaming, allegedly, who the fuck do you think you are? Standing chest to chest and then knocking him backward with his body. So this isn't some little, you know, kind of, it, it was very anime. And then later he says, you know, he was going into his house to get a gun. And then only when he saw a uh, an agent and you say, I don't know who you are. And the agent tried to show him his credentials to explain it to him. And when he became violent, he, you know, seeing the other agent potentially reaching for his gun, then he disengaged. But this is not some little, you know, verbal altercation. It it strikes me. And it's not something where somebody was just, oh, I was surprised. I didn't know you're coming. Come on. You had your mom telling you that agents were trying to track you down and you were talking <laughs> to him on the phone and you talked to him on in the intercom. So it doesn't strike me that, He certainly was not cooperating at the time. The fact that he is sitting still in Rice Street Jail. And again, this is not, you know, federal jails aren't great, but Rice Street is terrible. I mean, this is is not any condition that any place that anybody uh, would want to be. And by all accounts, and we talked about it last episode about some of the, you know, the Atlanta local reporting of talking to people who are coming out of Rice Street Jail, that it's not a place you want to be. So if he were cooperating, I cannot I find it hard to envision a scenario where he's kind of sitting there stranded high and dry. But to the point of like, in, again, and we talked about this before too, right? The state of Georgia, there is a presumption of detention that if you're you, you are not, the, the bail is not assumed. And so given this past history of violence, he may be, it'll be interesting to see when he um, eventually processes through and what the conditions of bail are. It's a it's it's kind of weird that nothing's on the docket. I wonder if there are future charges uh, coming, and they didn't want to just have the assault and wanted to continue to build the case. At some point, you know, they're they'll have to uh, decide one way or the other. I don't know. I don't know the law well enough to tell you what happens if they don't charge him at some point. Does that simply go away when the statute of limitation tolls, or if there's some other abbreviated time frame that kicks in because he was charged. So, it's uh it's a weird and we'll see, but I think he's got a lot of trouble ahead of
0: him. Yeah, it it's definitely odd because we we would imagine that there would have been an indictment. And with what he did to the agents, it doesn't seem like misdemeanor level stuff. Um but uh, you know, again, I I could be wrong. Not sure what they're thinking is, not sure what they're doing. It's just I just wanted to put that out there because it's weird that there's absolutely nothing on the docket, no preliminary hearings, but uh there w- there is an affidavit, maybe the uh, maybe the arrest warrant wasn't approved. I you know, I don't I don't see how that's feasible though. Um
1: yeah, and you wonder if there's something like, you know, you can have like a pretrial, de- de- like an agreement, right, or something like, well, okay, we're going to try and work this out, give us some time, and we're not going to formally charge you, um, let's talk and figure out what testimony you might give and what the information we gather about you is and try and work work something out, right, before you're formally charged, um, to, to buy time just to have a little back and forth with his attorneys about, you know, what he could or might be able to provide in terms of testimony for the government's case. But it's it's, it's weird. Um, and yeah, again, Because you
0: would normally see a continuance for the preliminary right. hearing if right. they were trying to work right. that stuff out. And we don't even have that. Right. And, and you could
1: seal it, right? I mean, something, if you did have cooperation, I can envision a scenario where you might want to seal that because you don't want to give co-conspirators or subjects or targets of the investigation information that would lead them to believe that you were cooperating, if that's what's going on, or even that you were potentially negotiating for cooperation. But at some point, you got to get something on the docket, even if it's sealed. So it's 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 weird. So, you know, stay tuned. Um, again, just this the, the Georgia charges against him certainly precipitated, I'm sure, a lot of things. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, some more information coming out about what his status is with Jack Smith and in that investigation.
0: Yeah. And what his status is with Fulton County. And we'll keep you posted. Uh, we have a lot more to get to, uh, including more patrons to thank. But we do have to take a quick break. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome
1: back. We've got a few more patrons to thank. Brent Whittington, Marianne Colvin, Sherry Easterly, Kamanoa, Ella Heffler, Susan LaFavre, William Dorholt, Ian Frank, Danielle, Sharon Tikalski, Two Tribbles and a Grudge, Didi, mm-hmm. Naomi, Barbara Ford, Hel Toupe, Kelly Callstrom, <laughs> J- Janie Panett, And Jane Sykes, thank all of you so much. You make this program go, and uh, we couldn't do it without you, and just absolutely thankful for your support. So let's then uh, stay and look at what Mark Meadows, Jeffrey Clark, and three other electors who have all filed motions to remove their cases to federal court. Uh, Jeff Clark, his hearing is set for September 18th. And in response to that, Fonnie Willis has said his request is based on, quote, a misread of the applicable statutes, a misapprehension of the binding case law, and a fundamental misunderstanding of criminal procedure. <laughs> <laughs> the th- th- three, Which, again, you know, it's like I, I, was, I was curious until the very end whether or not Jeff Clark was going to be a fugitive or not or make his, you know, last minute travel arrangements to haul his butt down to Georgia. But he did. Um, he made now, it. He made it, and you know, nick of time, I think he went in late at night. And there was, a, you know, talking about like, uh, you know, height, weight mismatches. He, I think he listed as like 5'2", and that's wrong. I mean, the people found yeah. photographs and he's clearly like, up, you know, high five foot hovering around six feet. So whether that was a keyboard keystroke error or him playing games like Trump did, who knows. But uh, it is, you know, another error on the uh, the data. Now, the three electors that are joining Meadows and Clark say that their "quote unquote" jobs as contingent electors makes them federal officers, and so their cases should be moved. to federal court now, Meadows is his hearing is underway as we're taping this on Monday. Um, Fonny Willis uh, is arguing against it, and it's a you know it's kind of a really bold move, and we can talk about this in a little bit. I was I I think I and probably you and many many other folks were really surprised to see Meadows uh, testifying, and Fonny Willis's argument is like, look, Meadows had no authority. To engage in the charge conduct because of the Hatch Act. This was not anything that he was doing trying to overturn the results or find uh, different electors or scratch up votes. That, that That's not something that's political activity that he shouldn't be doing. And because it's outlawed uh, because of the Hatch Act, he didn't have official authority to do it at all. And going on, this is a quote from... Uh, one of her filings, in his notice, the defendant, that's Meadows, makes no mention of the fact that every single one of the activities giving rise to his indictment constitutes impermissible political activity which a chief of staff may not lawfully perform under color of office. As noted above, federal law forbids any employee of the executive branch from, quote, using his official authority or influence for the purpose of interfering with or affecting the result of an election, unquote. Now, at least as of now, Meadows spent more than two and a half hours testifying during the morning session, declaring that he took an extremely wide-ranging view of his responsibilities as chief of staff and viewed that role as encompassing nearly all his actions, prosecutors say amounted to corrupt pressure on Georgia officials. Now, If a federal official or if a federal judge agrees that Meadows' actions plausibly fell within the scope of his federal duties, the case may get moved into federal court and Meadows may be immune from the charges against him because the arguments to move it to federal court is ostensibly the same as his argument for immunity. Now, it's not just a one-sided testimony for Mark Meadows. He was cross-examined, and during cross-examination times growing chilly, prosecutor Anna Cross challenged Meadows to come up with any situation That he would view as outside the scope of his job duties, and the only one that old former chief of staff Mark Meadows could offer up was well, speaking at a campaign rally, Hmm. and then it it things he 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 said things. That's interesting because
0: it's been it's been ruled upon by the courts that speaking at the January sixth rally at the Ellipse is not part of your job as a federal employee. Um, so it's interesting that he uses that one example, the one thing that the courts ruled on <laughs> with, yeah. with regard to, the, to that kind of uh, activity.
1: Yeah, And then he started making statements that, you know, in my opinion, started to strain credulity, given that he, you know, this expansive view of his role as chief of staff, given that his statement said, well, I, you know, attended most every meeting.
0: I was the gatekeeper. But
1: he did say on several occasions, look, I had no knowledge of the Trump campaign's efforts to contest the election results. None. None whatsoever. And when he was asked about an Oval Office meeting he attended with Trump and Michigan state lawmakers, Meadows said he didn't know that the campaign was contesting the results in that state. Again, it's kinda like it's kinda like the federal government's response to January 6th. We didn't know there was going to be a big potentially violent protest. Who who in the United States of America did not know the campaign was contesting the results of the states? At the time yeah. when Michigan State, I mean, granted, it was a little early, but by the time they were rolling into town, I, I, it just strains credulity. And then, you know, the other thing is, be whatever the impact on his Fulton County charges, you can bet that Jack Smith and his prosecutors and investigators are listening to every single thing that Mark Meadows is saying to figure out whether it's consistent with what Mark Meadows has told them and whether or not it's consistent with what witnesses, other witnesses, have told Them about what Mark Meadows said or did. I'm so
0: surprised he was going on the stand today. I was like, wow! Uh, First of all, he could implicate himself and his co-defendants, and and he's going to be cross-examined, and and this all can be used anywhere else.
1: Yeah, and what it you know some. Decent analysis. I forget who, who was speculating this, but I think it's right on. It's like the it, it's like a high stakes. There's a lot of risk to doing that, and typically the only reason you would, in my opinion, do that is if you cannot find, if you're on Meadows' side, cannot find any other witness able to get into the record, the statements and facts that you are presenting. Because not only does it put you at a lot of jeopardy, it clearly exposes you to cross examination, and now you're on the record with a lot of things that, again, just. How how can you claim to be omnipresent with nearly unbounded authorities, chief of staff as part of your job description, but at the same time saying, oh, I didn't know that they were trying to contest the election results.
0: Oh, I didn't even, know- Even I cont- tweeted like, when the two on. Michigan guys were going to the Oval Office. I'm like, they're there so that, that Trump can try to get them to overturn the results in Michigan. Like, the, all the lawsuits, did he miss- Right and 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 so okay
1: and then right remember when all the congressmen and women Marjorie Taylor Greene I think and Biggs Uh and all the rest went up in mid December Mark were you there for that meeting really what what do you there was no discussion then or any other time about contesting the election results all the lawsuits that you know I think it was Louis Gohmert and all these folks filed no idea none zero come
0: on. Come on, Come on. <laughs> or the time when Pete Navarro went on TV and said what he was doing, or <laughs> Boris right. Epstein went on TV and said they were going to do a coup. Like, missed all that too.
1: Yeah, I, it, it's it's my my defense is I'm, I'm I'm a stupid son of a bitch, and I just I, I'm I'm too dumb. You know, it's like it's the Don Jr. Too dumb to collude. It's that's that's the defense. Good luck. But he's – still look. He's mm-hmm. facing two charges in Georgia racketeering and soliciting uh, Raffensperger to violate his oath of office. Raffensperger, is re recording right now, everybody's back in the courtroom. And we're, because it's the federal, again, going on at the federal level, no laptops or phones are allowed. So we don't have any updates about the afternoon testimony. We should soon. And where others, including Brad Raffensperger, who Fonnie Willis has notified uh, a potential need for his testimony, could be called. So we'll see what comes out. I expect, uh, you know, again, we'll we'll have some pretty – know compelling and interesting testimony from the government's witnesses to to see what they have to say about what mark Meadows said so there's uh you know stay tuned uh we should have some updates certainly by the for the bonus episode and absolutely by next week so with that I think we got to take a break Allison and uh we'll get back to thanks some more patrons
0: yeah we we do and and I you know I got it before we before we run out to break here I don't think they were bringing Um, Meadows back on the stand for the afternoon session. I don't think they're going to finish this hearing uh, today, Monday, as we record this. And then, of course, I don't think there'll be a ruling from the bench either. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, And, you know, like you said, we'll be reporting what we can on the bonus episode. And then we'll have a full, uh, you know, a full deep dive on it next week on the next episode. All right, let's take a quick break. And uh, and we'll come back. We've got more for you. So stick around. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, some more patrons to thank. My goodness, I can't, I, I'm i continually amazed and grateful and humbled by how many of you are, are supporting this show. We have Shanna Ween, uh, Cynthia Sherrill, Stuart Gardner, Nancy, hashtag Arrest Them All, Are We There Yet, Chris Watkins, Blair Larson, Susan Viltrakis, uh, Aidan King, Jessica M., Rebecca, Iridium, Brian, Ellen C. Elwell, Lindsay, uh, let's see, Brasnahan, Ben Sar- uh, Sartori, Kathleen Garner, Jiren S. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Maybe Jiren S and Jennifer Childs. Again, if I mispronounce your name, I'm truly, truly sorry. but thank you so much for supporting the show. All right, uh, the cheese no longer stands alone, right? We've got <laughs> Kenneth Cheesebro. Um, and he has filed for a speed he filed a, a motion for a speedy trial down in Fulton County. And uh, Fonnie Willis um, came right back and said, sure. Sure, Cheesebro. How about October 23rd of this year? And the judge said, heck yeah, I'm down. Judge McAfee. He's like, October 23rd is great. The only difference is Fonnie Willis wanted to try all 19 defendants on October 23rd. She is ready to go on this whole case. Um, but the judge approved October twenty third only for Cheesebro. Now Fonnie Willis has not filed a response yet, or or an argument saying that it needs to be all nineteen. But as it stands right now, it's just Cheesebro on ten twenty three. That's what's approved by the court. Um, and we, f- I figure, they're likely trying to avoid having Trump use advice of counsel against them. Like if Trump goes after they do, he can't throw them under the bus as hard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if he does use advice of counsel, he'll have to take the stand. So that's dumb. But, you know, this is water. This is stupid Watergate. So I I mean, anything goes. But that might not. That also might not be the strategy here. I am not sure. Uh, But Sidney Powell also filed for a speedy trial. (laughs) And the way speedy trial works um, down in Georgia, it's not 70 days like federal. Um, It is not. It doesn't have to be done during this session of the court, but before the end of the next session. And so that puts us at right around the end of October uh, for this particular court. So October twenty third. Um and you know, like you said, Cheesebro's like, Oh man, Sydney Powell? Nah, <laughs> come on. Um so Hey wingman. So she... Hey <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me, goose. <laughs> so um, that's, that's what's happening with those filings. And we'll wait to get more resp- either response from Fannie Willis or uh, additional information on Powell. Uh, also, uh, the judge has approved Trump's arraignment. night. We know that Fannie Willis wanted September 5th. Uh, the, the judge has calendared it for uh, arraignment for everyone on September 6th. Did I say September 5th or January? I forget. But anyway, they, she wanted September 5th. They get September 6th. It's uh Trump is going to be arraigned September 6th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. All other defendants will be arraigned that same day in 15-minute increments. So it'll kind show. of be, yeah, it'll kind of be a, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of people in one place in one day. A lot of media is going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a zoo, I imagine. We'll see if there's any shenanigans that go down, but the judge is intending to to just arraign them on a on a conveyor belt, fifteen yeah. minutes s- at a time. Right, four
1: four defendants an hour, and nineteen. So that is you know doing the math. That's almost five hours. Five hour assembly line of a parade of uh of of you know. The mugshots that we've been looking at. So, and I, you know, Trump, that's an early, you think, so here's the question for you. Do you think he spends the night in Georgia or do you think he has an early morning from Bedminster to have another 800 motorcycle police uh, procession from Bedminster to Newark airport and fly down?
0: Does he have Is a property down there to stay at? And
1: in Georgia? I don't, I don't think so, but uh, we'll see. But
0: I mean, he's only flying up from Florida, right?
1: Although he's uh he's I think he's in bed mister, but um, you know, until he goes back after Labor Day to Mar-a-Lago.
0: I would probably I'd probably head down to Mar-a-Lago and then fly up from there uh in the morning. Uh but uh, you know, who <laughs> it's he, he he's he's the defendant that gets a, has a private jet and gets motorcades, so and you know what, he he's he likes to be late to stuff. Uh so We'll see. We'll see how that turns out. But yeah, nine thirty in the morning is pretty early for him. Although he doesn't really sleep, right? He's up. He's up truthing all night on his social media platform. That's also under federal criminal investigation, uh, and that's interesting. I, by the way, I haven't heard any updates on that investigation either. Um, I was waiting that the for. I, uh, you know, we we had heard that, you know, a couple people have been indicted for for mismanagement of funds and wire fraud and stuff. But but I'm waiting for the the other shoe to drop on, on that money that came in from Russia that was used to, 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 to yeah, prop up. Yeah. From the... reporting,
1: I, I am too. I mean, I think there is some movement about the, you know, the, the merger between, uh, truth social and the SPAC, uh, digital world, <laughs> um, acquisition, I think is still alive. I think they're looking for some sort of like delayed, uh, you know, additional time to make it happen. But the fact that, you know, that's not dead in the water, I, you know, won't, I, I I don't know that there's going to be some massive, um, you know, set of charges coming either criminally or civilly, but we'll see. I mean, there's clearly now, all kinds of bizarre, weird, unsavory, you know, and Trump there. might
0: not be directly implicated in that either. It might just be, um, Devin Nunes Devin would not Nunez be such a bummer. Him, yeah, mm. yeah. Good old Dev. Um, all right. So <sighs> Jim Jordan's back. Um, He it was nice not to have to talk about him for a minute, Uh, but he has now uh, announced an investigation into Fonnie Willis. He's putting basically he's putting 18 House Republicans in districts that Biden won. He's putting them at risk by potentially forcing them to vote on subpoenas for this investigation into Fonnie Willis. Right. Um, And here's a quote uh, from Greg Sargent at uh, the Washington Post, it's highly unlikely GOP leaders, despite their public bluster, have any intention of letting things proceed that far, meaning allowing this investigation to get to the point where they vote on subpoenas. Uh, The whole project is almost surely doomed, a doomed charade at the outset. And and we have recent history to, to back this up, where's all the subpoenas for Alvin Bragg in in his investigation? Because Jim Jordan launched an investigation into the Manhattan district attorney, if you remember. And that just sort of puttered out like everything Jim Jordan does. Jim Jordan wants internal communications between Fonnie Willis and Jack Smith. He's contending that there's some sort of deep state coordination going on. The latest from them is that uh, somebody, I think Jay Brad or somebody from the from special counsel had a meeting at the White House ahead of the indictments. And that means that there's some sort of coordination or collusion or, you know, something, some deep state uh, situation. Um, nobody's nobody's, uh you know, in Jim Jordan's weaponization committee. They aren't asking about John Durham meeting with Bill Barr every week over bourbon and cigars. But they really want to know about this one special meeting um, that I don't even have. I don't even think there's confirmation that it's happened, although I haven't really looked into it because I tend not to look into deeply the things that Jim Jordan is complaining about. Um, But that that's what he wants. He wants communications between Fonnie Willis and special counsel Jack Smith. Uh, And uh, Greg Sargent goes on to say his entire game is to spread just enough vague impressions of wrongdoing to sow doubts in perhaps the mind of one juror in any given case. And that is the whole point of these Jim Jordan investigations.
1: Yeah, you know, and what's frustrating about it, I mean, so there was some reporting that the purpose of the visit was to interview a White House professional staff member who had been employed at the White House during the time Trump was president. So that was the reason for a visit. There may have been a second one for another interview, but for Jay Brad, I think was for that interview. Now, let's take a step back and say the whole reason we know this is because this White House, Like every other White House, except for Donald J. Trump's White House, publishes the visitor log. So we know that who visited because they make that a matter of public record, unlike Donald J. Trump in the four years of his presidency, where try as you may, you're not going to find that because they didn't release that. Now, having said that, the other broader thing that's really aggravating about this is, look, Jim Jordan's a knucklehead. And none of these things, to to Greg Sargent's point to what you were saying, every single time. He brings something up. It is clearly BS, but I'll be damned if there aren't members of the mainstream media who give it at least a little bit of attention, who repeat the allegation without just simply saying, hey, look, you have a record of nonsense. You have a record of making stuff up, of having no results, of dealing in innuendo, and you and James Comer time and time and time again come up with absolutely nothing, less than nothing. And an inability... On the part of people just to say, we're not going to cover this. We're not going to report on it. It still gets reported out. And to your point, maybe that one juror looks at CNN or whatever newspaper, or, you know, whatever they're listening to and says, huh, well, wow, there's an investigation. They're trying to get the records and they're being stonewalled. And there must be shenanigans. That's what the goal is. And we still, you know, what are we from 2016, seven years later? Still haven't learned our lesson about how to cover this nonsense. Still enabling yeah. it. And that's that's why they're doing it. No doubt about it.
0: Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. And, you know, more broadly speaking, um, I know Will Bunch just did a piece on, on how, uh, in general, the media's coverage of this entire situation, um, that we're covering elections the same way we were covering them in the 20th century, <laughs> and we need to stop it. Because we don't have two serious political parties in this country anymore, uh, as Judge Littig said, right? It's a, it's gotten quite a bit uh, different. It's off the rails at this point. Um, and the, and the he you know he actually said there is no Republican Party. It's not a party at this point because of what they're doing. So I he I in my opinion, Jim Jordan is just going to keep. He's going to continue to alienate independent voters. Um, all Democrats and a handful of Republicans, even. Uh, so, I mean, you know, when you talk, about, you talk about Trump supporters, you're talking about a third of the Republican Party, and the Republican Party represents a third of voters. So you're talking about a third of a third. You know, it's, it's not that many uh, people, but it's enough to fracture the party. And that's why you see all of the candidates kowtowing to, to Trump. Um, And it's going to be the end of Lindsey Graham said it's to, He'll destroy us and we'll deserve it. And uh, he still hasn't deleted that tweet, probably because he can say I told you so at some point (laughs) later. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, it's certainly headed that way. All right. We're going to take one more quick break and we'll come back with some final stuff, including me live watching Pete Navarro standing 10 feet away while I I was sitting. Interview our news
1: correspondent, Allison Gill, and hear all about uh, today's proceedings. (laughs)
0: The Pete Navarro hearing. All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be right back.
1: All right, welcome back. Time for our Hall of Fame patrons. Thank you. Going above and beyond your support of this program and uh, podcast are, is exceptional. And we have a very dear place in our heart for all of you. And so without further ado, to punk rock liberal D. Pavado, Backdropbooks.com, another Minneapolitan, Sloan Russell, Kirkland J. Bateman, I'm a trash bag from Arizona, and Allison?
0: Ah, yes. <clears throat> and I'm fast at sex, but can't figure out why when poo poo there's pee pee, but when pee pee, no poo poo pulls help, <laughs> which I think is short for please help. Thank you for that wonderful name. Uh, that you know, at first I was like, when we first got that Hall of Famer, I was like, "Is that a troll?" I'm like, no, that's a Hall of Famer for a long time now. That's just what they want me to say. So there you go. All right. So uh, this morning I was at Prettyman the Federal Courthouse in DC. I watched the Judge Chutkin so, hearing. So, so I
1: want to, I want to back up because some of this, like I've been in there, and clearly you have, but I want you to paint. I'm gonna, I'm gonna butt in and ask you all kinds of questions because two reasons. One. I think people see the the video from outside the courthouse, but they don't get a lot of like, you know, what you have to do to walk in. Do you have to buy tickets? What's the process and like that. And then the other thing is like one of the main things about our judicial system is its openness. You can go to your local federal, state, county courthouse and walk in and watch this. And that's what you did. So so where is So walk me through like what what do you like when did you show up and what do you what do you do to to figure out where you're going and, and how do you get in there?
0: Yeah, well, I, I got dropped off on C C Street, and uh, I walked through the little park there to the backside of the of the Prettyman Courthouse uh, of the complex to to you know with a sign that actually says Prettyman the the front says something different. I walked through the door. Uh, I went through security, which is a you know a magnetometer and a put my bag through the conveyor belt, much like at the airport. There was no line. Um, the one, there was one guy out front with a sign dressed as Trump, uh, but that was it. Everybody else was media. And then I uh, walked down the hall. There's a line of people. There's a public line and then a place where if you're press, you can sign in. So I, you know, I am a part of the White House Correspondents Association. So I go to the press thing. Maybe I get some better seat or something. And he's like, nah, there's not enough people in line for the public. Everybody will have a seat. In the courthouse today, in the in the hearing room today, oh, okay, which is uh number nine, right? <laughs> so first of all, it's definitely a federal building in that it smells like people have smoked in there for d- decades. <laughs> um the the deck is waxed, like got at least a hundred thousand coats of wax on it, going back to however long, however old the building is the bulkheads have been painted a hundred times like it's definitely a federal building the bathrooms all have the tiles in them from you know the <laughs> mid century of the, the, the last century the the there's wooden chairs and benches that are worn down they have like like butt prints worn in them from people sitting on them for, for just years and years and years so it's definitely a federal building you could tell like the they can't get the budget to redec- re- redecorate uh but it's but it's solemn and and quiet, and everybody's very serious. We're standing in line, and here's the cool thing, uh Pete. there were a bunch of patrons of of our show of the daily beans um of uh, Glenn Kirshner's show, <laughs> and i'm I'm in there, and you know, I live on the West Coast, so I know all these reporters by seeing them on television and by reading their stuff online. but Adam Klasfeld walks by, I spoke to him, Kyle Cheney. Uh, we had Glenn Kirshner in the building, uh, Scott McFarlane, Ryan Riley, like all like Manu or no, Evan Perez, excuse me. Like all these folks were there. Betsy Woodruff Swan, um, just people that I know from doing what I do for so long. So saying hi, talking very, everybody was very excited to be there. Then they brought us up 10 at a time in the elevator uh, and, you know, brought us into the courtroom um, you, no cell phones, you had to turn your cell phone off. I got in a little bit of trouble cause I was holding my cell phone as we were walking into the thing and the guy's like, step aside, step aside, ma'am. And I was like, oh, and he like, let's show me your photo roll," And I'm like, okay. So I show him the photo roll. He was making sure that I didn't have any photos from, I wasn't even in the courtroom yet, but he wanted to make sure I didn't have any photos of inside the building. I'm not sure. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't a deviant. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, they they are
1: they are serious about their job and and i remember like people like scowling like the the marshals inside the courtroom and there's like a no chewing gum rule and so never mind your phone but like i remember like going there with some agents and like one poor guy was sitting there chewing gum and like the gum and the scowling like court security officer like literally re- pointing towards the person and then telling yeah. making a little motion like like trump to uh to corcoran like the little plucking motion like take the damn gum out of your mouth but anyway sorry so yeah, <laughs> yeah. no no joke so you're yeah. I'm glad you passed muster with your phone and
0: then i'm i'm seated in my on my bench right uh, everybody's filed in and then i wanted i asked the guy like one of the marshals i was like can i sit up there with those people because they're friends of mine, he's like, ma'am, sit where you are. I'm like, okay, (laughs) all right. (laughs) And and then I go into my purse to get a pen because I want to write stuff down. He's like, what are you doing in your purse? Like, they're very on top of it. Like, it's almost like a comedy club in New York. Um, Just to make sure you don't take your phone out. Uh, But then, you know, it was like any other court hearing on any other day. Um, you know, the judge walks in. We all rise. Everybody is seated. And they begin. Uh, she, you know, she makes an opening statement. They begin their arguments. Jack Smith was there. Harry Dunn was seated behind Jack Smith. I was Jack Smith was on the prosecution side and the, behind the prosecution table was uh, Jack Smith and then the press behind him and then behind the defense table was the public. The public was all seated. So I'm catty-corner from uh, Jack Smith. I'm behind him by a couple rows and about, I don't know, 15, 20 feet away. And I I kept looking over at him to see what his reaction was. Because the public's reaction when somebody said something dumb or funny or out of line, or when Lauro was presenting his side of the case with, you know, adamant and fervor and using, calling the government absurd and Liberty and justice, you know, he's going off on his thing. President Trump, President Trump. One time, he accidentally called him Mr. Trump and corrected himself to say <laughs> President Trump. I'm sorry, President Trump. I meant blue And I'm watching. And my my facial reactions are are like what, huh? or shaking my head, or nodding my head, or like yeah, or like you know, open the fridge, you know, fist in the air, yeah, fist pump. Uh, but Jack Smith, stoic. Um, didn't. Shake his head, didn't nod his head, uh, except for one time uh, when, and that was when um, the judge said, The Department of Justice has definitely gone out of their way above and beyond the consideration for discovery, where they have organized it in such a way that it makes it, this is like the so easy for the defense. No other defendant has these considerations. And Jack Smith nodded his head a little bit, but most of the time he just stroked the beard, hmm. you know, like he was thinking. But just stared right ahead and 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 watched the proceeding. And I I wrote about it in detail uh, on Post, where you can find me at Mueller. She wrote, I've I've got everything in there, and uh, you know she came back with that March fourth decision of 2024, which is where we figured it would end up. Uh, but her her you, you you should you should read my piece because her her arguments are identical to the arguments that the Department of Justice made, and that I reiterated in a Twitter thread. So it went right exactly the way that uh, I thought it would. And then after that was up, we all got up, we all walked out, we talked a little bit about that and then uh, we're like, hey, so it was like, "Hey, Navarro's testifying next door. Do you want to go you want to <laughs> check that out?" I'm like, "Hell yeah. Nobody's in the Navarro hearing. He's you know, he doesn't draw a crowd." <laughs>
1: Which he should because he well, how how
0: did you find Peter Navarro? okay so first of all he wouldn't sit down when he was being when he was called to the stand you know there's a chair up there with a screen where you can look at exhibits he wouldn't sit down he wanted to stand and so he would stand back in that corner back there and kind of pace around and you know have his his chin in his hand and every time he had to look at an exhibit he had to run up to the chair and look at it and and he was such a dick he was just such a dick like like the the prosecution when they were cross-examining was like, do you see this email? Uh, do, can you see this exhibit? And he's like, I can see it. And he's like, can you read the first thing? And he's like, well, you didn't ask me if I could read it. You just asked me if I could see it. I'm not close enough to see it. And then he's like, all right, could you step close enough to where you can read it? Are you able to read it? Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> he's just like, all right, read the first lines. And then he would go, the like he like he would just like fly through it and mumble it. It was just a dick, and all this guy was trying to do was ask him when about when he testified earlier that day in that courtroom just t- twenty minutes ago half hour ago, didn't you say this? I don't recall didn't you don't you don't you didn't you say that there was no didn't i mean you said that you didn't have any emails from Trump? That get granted executive privilege. Didn't you say that just earlier today? I don't know that's true. You know, just like, just be in that way. You know what I mean? Like, ugh. Yeah. and uh, Woodward, by the way, good old Stanley Woodward was his attorney. Um, and, you know, he came up and made a few arguments. And then when, when he when it was time for Navarro to step down, he walked over to the defense table, but he wouldn't sit down at the defense table either. He stood, stood up kind of behind it and walked around it with, you know, like, mm, uh, mm, like just a weirdo uh, and just just trying to just just one of those people who's purposefully a pain in the ass.
1: Yeah. And it it sounds like, you know, when you're kids and sometimes, you know, like I'm thinking like kindergartners or first or second graders and let alone, you know, if you're not even ADHD, but sometimes it's like, you know, you got all kinds of energy and you haven't learned to control yourself. And it's like, all right, well, you can, you know, stand by your desk, but you need to keep at least one hand on the chair or the desk so that you're, you're in place and we can have class. It's the same. Like what gets me is all the. These are the folks most into, well, we need strong, you know, people need to respect the law and respect the process. And if anybody, I guarantee you, If there were any sort of court proceeding where, God forbid, it wasn't a white man behaving that way, there would be no end of criticism and mockery about, you know, how dare they go. You know, they're they're cheapening our judicial process and disrespecting the court. And it's awful and it's indicative of what all the immigrants are doing to this guy. There would just be a nonstop spew of bile. But when it comes to him, when it comes to Pete Navarro, rules don't apply, You, you know, and. Again, this is none of this, by the way, I'm sure, but did the judge betray any uh, emotion whatsoever watching this display or I got to imagine they're probably stone faced?
0: Yeah, it was Judge Amit Meta, uh, and he was just like, OK, although he did say a couple of things that uh, kind of made me laugh. He's like, look, you're trying to tell me, uh, Mr. Woodward, that your client believes that Donald Trump uh, invoked executive privilege over his testimony and that is why he defied the subpoena for the January 6th select committee. Um but there's what are the you don't even have the words. Like Peter Navarro when he testified, your client when he testified couldn't even tell me what words were whispered to him or what or whatever. He's like that's kind he said that's that's pretty weak sauce. Mm. He actually said the term weak sauce. Weak sauce? Nice. (laughs) And then he goes and I, yeah, I wasn't paraphrasing. And then he goes, look, I mean, maybe there are no magic words for invocation of privilege of executive privilege, but I don't have any words. Did, were there any words? Were there any word? Were there smoke signals? He said, was there anything <laughs> like, and, and of course, you know, they're just obfuscating and well, you know, we believe and at some point he was like, well, later on, Donald Trump announced that he was trying to invoke executive privilege over all that stuff. And the, the Judge Mehta was like, yeah, but that was after Pete Navarro defied the subpoena. You can't apply some sort of an exe- a privilege that you didn't have yet to some shit that happened in the past. He didn't say shit. To things that happened in the past. And it just went on that way for a very long time. And finally, I was like, I got to get out of here. I can't, This is This is the most annoying shit. It was hard to sit through. That kind of, uh, I guess, tiptoeing around reality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I, I mean it's just it's frustrating listening to you. I can't imagine what you know being in there and what that must have felt like to you know see somebody in the flesh. I you know, and I've I've heard you know stories both of the way Navarro you know behaved towards the FBI interacting with him as well as his general, you know, interaction with others, whether he was at the white house or members of the media. I mean, the guy is, I think universally seen as largely a dick. I mean, just very (laughs) impolite, aggressive, full of himself, obstinate, and just not, not in a quiet way, in a like in your face, demonstrably aggressive way. And it's, you know, again, it is what, Will be filling the next Trump administration if that comes to pass, Uh, you know, assuming he's not in jail if we ever get to the point of jailing him for contempt, which uh, who knows. So what's the next what's the next step with uh, Navarro? Did the judge set any uh, next uh, dates for an appearance or anything like that?
0: Expecting a ruling on Wednesday, which mm-hmm. is when this show airs. Um, everybody that was there, I, you know, I talked to uh, some folks from NBC and Politico. We were all sort of of the after watching the interactions with uh, his his counsel and him and and the judge. Uh, everybody was of the mind that it, this motion to dismiss the the charge, the first count, would be denied. Uh, but you know, because he's his his argument is that there was executive privilege, and they're just isn't it's uh, as the judge said a weak sauce claim
1: yeah well
0: hopefully that's uh i hope it's in the decision i hope that's in the ruling weak, <laughs> weak sauce, weak sauce. <laughs> conclusion denied <laughs> I, I suspect. based no on movement. the above word the your motion is denied <laughs> we'll see we'll see mm. so no smoke signals all weak sauce denied
1: well you had a most excellent day at court today that's great we got all kinds of like... Uh, it's like Barbenheimer, but in the Prettyman Courthouse.
0: What's great is I saw Barbie last night.
1: Uh, what did you think of Barbie? I have not. I've seen Oppenheimer, oh. not Barbie.
0: I loved it. I laughed so... I haven't laughed that loud in months, and I actually was crying at certain points because <laughs> it was just so moving. <laughs> So oh, everybody not, not see tears of
1: laughter, tears of of moving emotion. Oh yes,
0: great. yes. As as a Barbie in this world, um, but super super fantastic movie. Um, when you get to Pete, when you get to the point where he's playing guitar for her on the beach, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. It is so funny. Um, it's it's truly, truly a really really good movie. It really is. I, I encourage everybody to see it. But yeah, uh, that was my. Barbie, followed by Judge Chutkin, followed by Pete Navarro. It was a very <laughs> triple threat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, one more big, huge thank you to all our patrons, uh, sure. Hall of Famers and new. We couldn't do this without you. This show costs a lot. And so we appreciate you helping us out with that. Uh, if you want to sign up to be a patron, you can do it at patreon.com slash aisle45pod, A-I-S-L-E-4-5-P-O-D. Uh, I don't have any final thoughts. I'm looking forward to seeing the resolution of some of these hearings we could talk about this weekend on the bonus episode for patrons. Uh, but aside from that, uh, I'm looking forward to heading home. I get to actually be home for quite a while, a few weeks at a time. It's nice.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and best yet, you'll from the, from the comfort of your own home, a week from as you're listening to this, we'll be watching that uh, conga line of um, arraignments. Down in Georgia So uh, you know, dun, Get dun, comfortable dun, you know, dun, dun, Whatever pitcher dun, of dun, Martini dun, dun, Or dun. margarita Or whatever Your drink of choice is cocktail and, uh, Anything And they'll all be Presumably all be televised Right? So we'll get to watch
0: Yep The arraignment will be televised And uh, they have signed The official order That all proceedings In Fulton County Will be televised So Huh. Interesting I can't wait Alright everybody Thank you so much uh, We will see you next week I've been Allison Gill And I'm Pete Strugman